R E A R E A R E A R E A Audio Re-e-a, audio. Re-e-a, audio. Re-e-a, audio. Re-e-a, audio. Re-e-a, audio. Re-e-a, audio. Re-employability. Re-employability. Season two. Season two. Season two. Can you snap your fingers? My nine-year-old daughter came into the kitchen last night so excited that she could finally snap. It's one of those little talents that you celebrate learning when you're a kid. It goes along with blowing a bubble with chewing gum and being able to write your name in cursive. There's really not a whole lot you can do with the snapping talent unless you want to become a professional doo-wop singer. To me, snapping is the tool most people use when they want to mark a quick point in time. Something happened just like that. Just like that. In an instant. At one moment, everything is like this, and then in the next, everything's changed. It happens a lot. Just like that. Erica Hazelton's life took a turn. One moment, she was a brand new mother, headed to a football game with her family. And the next, she was being airlifted to a hospital with a traumatic brain injury. In one moment, everything in her life changed. And now she's doing some things that people never thought possible. But she knew they were possible, even probable. Erica, thank you so much for uh, offering to be on REA Audio. It's such a pleasure because um, I actually, you were introduced to me uh, through a, a, a mutual friend uh, who is with Rehab Without Walls as well. Lewis uh, had introduced us and Lewis uh, was on a few weeks ago. And I was so happy that it was actually the first time that anybody who had been on the show before actually was like, hey, you know, it wasn't too bad. Maybe somebody else should be on it. And uh, <laughs> and, and let me know that you were there and we've connected. And, and I got to say, your story is absolutely phenomenal. And we've been actually, before we started recording, we've been talking for a few minutes about some mutual things that, that, that we both do and, and, and I'll let you talk about that. But I just wanted to truly from, from my heart say thank you for being on the show because I think this is going to be really inspirational for a lot of people. So thank you, Erica, for being with us. Yeah, thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to do this and I just love this opportunity. So thank you for having me. So let's start by kind of giving folks some context as to why I think your story is so inspirational. So can you kind of give us what happened that has so profoundly affected your life? Yes, totally. So um, the way like I, the PG version, I had a unique <laughs> life experience, very unique life experience. And to, to give you that life experience, um, it, the, it happened in 2018 in October. Um, I have a son or I have a husband, Josh. And at the time in 2018, we had a 15 month old son. His name is Hall, H-A-L-L not Paul Hall. (laughs) (laughs) And the three of us were headed from Nashville, Tennessee to Ole Miss, our alma mater, where we went to college. Um, We were going to watch a football game and we were right right outside of uh, Memphis, Tennessee, about three hours from our house and about to cross into Mississippi when we were on the highway and we were hit by an 18 wheeler. And let me back up my son had fallen asleep in the car. Okay. And so he woke up from his nap and he was going crazy, just losing his mind, just wanted, you know, to be, to do something, wanted attention. So Josh and I were like, buddy, hold it's okay. It's okay. 
and he wouldn't stop crying, would not stop crying. So what I did, I took off my seatbelt to get in the back seat. And in those 10 seconds, we were hit by an 18-wheeler. Um, I was, I ejected from the car. I went through the windshield and I landed in the median. Um, Josh and Hall were restrained, so they were fine. Um, I was airlifted from the hot, from the median of the highway to the closest trauma hospital, which was in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, at, at that hospital, I remained um, in a coma for eight weeks. And um, my family was told to prepare for the worst. There was a chance I would not survive. And if I did survive, um, if I did survive, there was a chance I would be mentally handicapped for the rest of my life. Meaning I would never shower and get alone again. I would never watch my son alone again. You know, I would never walk again. I would never hold a job. I would never... Um, take care of myself again. So after eight eight weeks of being in the coma, I um, regained consciousness and woke from my coma. And um, I still needed extensive therapy. Um, and so I was flown from Memphis, Tennessee, the hospital to Shepherd Center in Atlanta, which is a ho- another hospital, but it specializes in brain injury and spinal cord injuries. Um, and so you have to be, use air quotes, like accepted into that hospital. It's not just like a hospital that anyone can go to. Um, so I remained inpatient at uh, that hospital for 24 weeks where at, um, at the Shepherd Center in Atlanta, I had to learn how to walk again, how to swallow food and water again, how to, um, stand up. And then I had to wear, my husband and I joke about it now, um, I was considered a fall risk, so I had to wear a belt. And so when, pe- when I was walking, people had to hold my belt. And so I, whenever, they, whenever it was Josh, I would hit, I, I do not need that. Like, get off me. <laughs> and so he was like, oh, Erica, you do need that. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, man. It's like yes. a, like a uh, so there's so, there's so many things I want to ask. Because, first of all, I'm glad that that your son and your husband were okay. You know, you think about something like that; it could have been, it could have been. So, and and I think about. So, I have three kids, um, and every single one of those kids, my wife has done the exact same thing. Right? Mm-hmm. They're they're. I, I two of my kids used to like get car sick, like like instantly, and my wife <laughs> was able to get her seatbelt off and turn around with a plastic bag to catch it. Like she was like flash super fast right yeah but the yeah and it but and we never sure you think about it uh but it could happen to anybody right mm-hmm. so it, you you were doing what you thought was the right thing at the time and and your life was instantly changed mm-hmm. um, it's not one of those things where you get you know, anybody can get up any morning and at any time have their life be instantly changed can you what so what do you remember about those things you said you were in a coma um we talked about this a little bit but i think it's really interesting what was that like and what do you remember like what's the first memory you have as you woke up if if no one had told me i was at the memphis trauma icu i was never there 
because that is still gone from my memory. If I hadn't seen pictures and gone back to visit those nurses at the Memphis ICU, I was never there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I was flown. So I obviously, I don't remember that. But then I was flown from Memphis ICU to, to the Shepherd Center in Atlanta. And I remember bits and pieces of being there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you can see, I, I have a scar right here where, because I had to be have a tracheotomy because I couldn't breathe. And so uh, they had to put a trach, so I have a scar right here. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I, I, one of the first memories that I can have, I have is I think my mom was brushing my hair and I had like, I was holding a mirror in my hand. And I was like, mom, why are we here? Because I didn't know. I was just like, what, what are you doing? What, what's going on? I was just confused. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, sweetie, you hit your head. Okay, Todd, I hit my head. Okay, head. So I see this, I'm holding a mirror. I see this scar and I go, is that where I hit my head? Mm-hmm. And my mom goes, oh, sweetie, um, that's your throat. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I, mean, mm-hmm. I can laugh about it now, but like, you know, that's one of the first memories that I have. Is that where I hit my head? Mm-hmm. And she was like, no. Yeah, yeah. So you had mentioned that it was said that you may not walk again. You may not speak again. Certainly not hold a job again. Not be able to take care of yourself again. Did people tell you that? Or did people tell your husband and mom and, and family members that? Were you ever told that? No, I was never told that. Um, the my family was told that because I think it initially was uh, said to the, uh, my family at the Memphis Hospital when I was in a coma, so they okay. couldn't have told me. But then when I went when I was transferred to the Shepherd Center, I was mentally not in a place where they could uh, where I could retain that. You know, right. I, right. Yeah. So that I mean that's a good thing. I and I guess what I'm getting at is. Um, as we, as you tell more of your story and how you've rehabilitated and and done all those things and much much more, mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of the theme that we hear on REA Audio since we've been talking to people with injuries and how they've recovered and organizations that work with people who are doing those types of recoveries is is the mental state of somebody to be able to do those types of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, if a doctor comes in and says, "Erica, you're never going to walk again," which, which I've heard people have been told that before, right? Which mm-hmm. I know you want to be realistic, but by the same token, I don't know why you would, um, I, I, I'm going down a rabbit hole, but I guess what I'm saying is, um, has your mental state, even before the accident, been one of overcoming obstacles, or is that something that you had to learn after your accident? Um, so from my perspective, uh, and I try to have a lot of self-awareness of who, of who I am. I have always been a stubborn go-getter. Like if I see something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it. Mm -hmm. So when, um, and I have my mother to thank for that because she's stubborn and she's hard-headed. So that's one of the gifts she gave me. (laughs) And so, um, I, so when Josh, my husband, when he told me that like, there's a chance that, that like the doctors told me that like you, you, there's a chance you would never leave your bed again, or you would never shower alone again. I was like, watch this. Yeah. I'm going to go run a half marathon and then, I'll, <laughs> and then let's talk and yeah. then let's talk. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. Well, I knew you were like that because I forgot to send you uh, an invitation to do record this, and you were like, "Dude, you forgot to send me the invitation." <laughs> so I, I knew you're like, "No, that's awesome." I think that was great. That was great. So obviously, at in Atlanta, you had to do. You said 24 weeks. That's a long time to to rehab and and get back on your feet. Um, for lack of a better term, tell us a little bit about that process. Like, where did that start, and and what was the most difficult part of that whole rehabilitation? Like, you couldn't. You said you couldn't talk. A- am I right? You couldn't. You couldn't communicate. You couldn't walk. Where? What? What? What started that whole process for you? Well, I'll tell you what I remember. And yeah, absolutely. Let the record show. There is stuff that I probably don't remember, or <laughs> right. I definitely are. Like, I have a brain injury, so you know, don't quote me. Um, um, so I, I wish Todd, I would, I would love to use a walker. I had to use a wheelchair. Okay. And so my therapist, bless them. Um, my husband would not push me in the wheelchair. He was like, you can push yourself or roll yourself. And I was like, right. What do you mean? I just hit my head. I almost died. And he was like, you can do it yourself. And I was like, Oh, my. Also, then I come to find out after I got home, um, the therapist had told Josh and my dad, don't push her. Be nice to her. But like she can do it on her own. She needs to be like self-sufficient and do it on her own. But I can remember like being in the hospital and I was like, you're really not going to push me. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember that. Yeah. And then when I would walk, I had to wear like a belt. Because okay. I was considered a fall risk. And mm-hmm. so when, when I was walking, people would hold this belt, like I said. And I, again, I, I mean, I can laugh about it now because, like, I've, sure. I've lived it. But I would be so, so rude to Josh. Be like, you're really going to make me stay here? And then I would go up to the, the nurse's station and be like, hi, I love your nail polish. <laughs> can you cut this belt off me? Right. Well, listen, that has nothing to do with the brain injury. My wife's like that too. She yells at me and then goes to other people and she's nice to them. No. So you obviously, uh, it, it sounds like Josh was very, uh, an integral part of your rehabilitation and inspiring you uh, aside from your hardheadedness, uh, you know, he was, he was one that really pushed you and inspired you and helped you to move forward. And, and that's what we find a lot when we talk to people is that they, they have a really good foundation and a good support system that helps them to do that. Now, moving forward to what you're doing now, um, obviously, um, if, if folks are just listening and not watching, um, Erica obviously can communicate. You walk. In fact, you ran a half marathon. We were talking about the full marathon that you just did a couple months ago. Um, and you're working for an organization called Rehab Without Walls, which, as I mentioned, Lewis was on with us, uh, gosh, a couple months ago, talking about his experience with Rehab Without Walls uh, and what he does with people. Tell us what you do with Rehab Without Walls and how it's affected your life. Okay. So I um, I was introduced to Rehab Without Walls um, because my supervisor now is Andrea Churchill. And before she was my supervisor, she I met her at Orange Theory. Uh, we were working out together and she says that she was trying to beat me. And like, cause I, you know, she's competitive, I'm competitive. So I was like, I'm going to be the best. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, I am. I was like, 
So we got to talking and um, that's how I was, I heard about Rehab Without Walls. And I was like, and like we could, I'll never forget, like we were talking about Rehab Without Walls and she was like telling me about like how they, we specialize in like uh, neuro, neurological diagnosis, spinal cord injuries, brain injuries. And I was like, no, no. And she said, what? And I was like, I have a brain injury. That's so cool. <laughs> hey, look at me. I've got a brain injury. You can talk All to the me. cool people do. Right. <laughs> oh, man. So, back to your question. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> she hired me, and I am a community relations manager at Rio Without Walls in Tennessee. So, okay. we have two outpatient clinics. Um, that provide therapy and services for, for um, multiple diagnosis, but we specialize in neurological di- diagnosis. Is explore all that. Yeah. So spinal cord injuries, brain injuries, Parkinson's, autism, that kind of stuff. So I get to, I get the opportunity to go into doctors' offices, hospitals, and you know tell them about rehab without walls and like the services we offer our patients. Okay. Do you get to work directly with any patients? Do you ever interact with them directly? Um, not directly mm-hmm. for the most part. It's more uh, providers. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how does your story help you in that role? Well, I've, I've lived it, mm-hmm. you know, and so like I, I can be empathetic to the, um, to the doctors and on the ch- and the chance that I, I I speak with caregivers or survivors, mm-hmm. you know, of any um, whether it's a trauma or not, it, you know, it doesn't. It's still it's a bad situation, so I I can empathize with with um, these people and and hear them and listen to them and let them know that like I get it. Yeah. What is it about rehab that without walls that's different than other organizations that do what they do? So what we do, um, we are not a like run of the mill like just therapy like come in two times a week for three weeks or for six weeks and you're good to go. No, what 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 I like about it um, is. We'll meet you. So, like, let's say Todd, you were the patient. Knock on wood. You know, this happened. <laughs> but right. you know, the therapist, occupational speech or physical therapist, will meet you, and like, it's not just like you're a chart number now. Um, and that's what I felt like after I met with my neurologist. I was like, do you not care about like I have a husband, I have a kid, and so what I like about rehab without walls will build a plan around the patient instead of just having like a prescription okay this is what your your chart number one two three four okay this is what you need mm-hmm. no we'll look at your diagnosis and then we'll give you a plan of care so let's use you as an example if if you were if you were a patient uh, of rehab without walls back when you when you were involved in that thing right um, so would they take things like your interests and and your life and your you know your family life and, and is that what that means like build something around that like how would they have helped you do you think if you had utilized them well they would have made a, a plan of care around Erica and, and not just 
like gotten a book out and said, okay, you you have a level three diffuse axle traumatic brain injury. Okay, so you need this, 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 and this. No, they would they would I would get to go in and be evaluated and not just a, a another case, mm-hmm. you know? Not pulling it out of the book, but actually pulling it out of the person. Right. Yes. Yeah. So um what I'd like to do is, is I'd like to get a little bit more into some of the things outside of rehab without walls that you've accomplished since, since your recovery. Um, I think if that's all right, would you come back next week and, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of that cool stuff that you're doing and stuff that you're planning on doing in the future? Yes, I would love that. So we can talk about running, what I really awesome. love. That's right. That sounds good. We'll open with that. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Right. Thanks, Erica. I'll talk to all you next right. week. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for listening to REA Audio. If you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode, please let us know. Find us on Twitter at REA Audio Podcast. That's the best place for feedback and show suggestions. Also, please follow REA Audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out more content at listentorea.com. If you have a story to tell or you know someone who does, please don't be shy. Email Todd at reemployability.com or tell us on Twitter at REA Audio Podcast. I'd love to chat with you. Have a great rest of your week.